Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast, helping individuals and businesses unleash their potential. Join us every episode as host Adam Gregg discusses what is holding us back and how to find hope for moving forward. Along the way, we discuss developing healthy relationships and navigating life transitions while overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Live the life you want, the legacy you decide. Okay, welcome back to the Decide Your Legacy podcast. Today we're going to talk about emotions. Oh boy, emotions, how we feel. Interesting topic, I'll tell you. It causes a lot of problems for people when they don't learn how to deal with their emotions. They hide out, addiction, lots of issues. We're going to discuss that today. But mainly I want to share with you four breakthrough concepts when it comes to dealing with our emotions, our feelings. Four breakthrough concepts that can change your life and really make a big difference if you grasp them. So I'm Adam Gregg, and I'm a family therapist, mental health professional, life coach, been doing this a long, long time, too long, often I think so. And when I approach a topic like this, what I'm thinking of is, hey, this is something that can help me to talk about. It's an issue that I struggle with as well. And I try to describe concepts in a way where you can share them with a six-year-old and they're going to understand what you're talking about. They're going to understand not only the, the theory behind it and maybe understand it better than you do, honestly, um, especially a topic like emotions. I find kids are actually pretty insightful and they're going to be able to actually understand the application of it. So the, the activities to make progress in this area as well so this is a big one you know i looked at this thought about it i thought man this is some this is something i really struggle with especially the last few years honestly and um it's it's such a big deal if we get to make some progress when it comes to our emotions and can just be life-changing life transforming and so four breakthrough concepts when it comes to dealing with emotions this is a very important topic mainly because i think when we don't successfully handle our emotional, our feelings and things, we learn to do things to hide out and avoid life. And avoidance is just a primary issue for people that that we can just kind of get lost in our heads, get stuck in worry, or get stuck in really dysfunctional type behaviors, addictive, habitual behaviors that are leading us in the wrong direction. And sometimes we're not even aware of it because good behaviors can become addictive behaviors as well, like work, for example. It can become something that's really you know good, inspiring, insightful. We're doing things to help people, then it can become something that consumes us and pulls us away from our lives and enjoying life. So I'm a middle child. I have an older sister and I have a younger brother. And I have, I learned at a young age to hide out. I think I grew up in an Italian family, my, my at least my mom's side, and very expressive. Um, my Both my brother and my sister tend to just kind of blur out what they think and feel. And this is not always a great thing, but a lot of times it actually can be. And then I learned for some reason to just get stuck in doing things the right way, kind of perfectionism, wanting to please, 
um, and then not really sharing how I felt. And so a lot of times I even surprise my family when we're having some kind of discussion and, and then I say, you know, I don't agree with that or I have a different opinion on that or, you know, your assumption about me is not really accurate. Here's what I do think and here's how I do feel about that topic. And so if you learn and you grow up in a dynamic and you get to sort of become this person that everyone thinks is closed off or whatever, then it's easy to kind of stay there as well. But I also learned to control my feelings because you know through all this stuff I decided that okay I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stuff my emotions and not share them but then I found these really dysfunctional ways of actually controlling my emotions not working them through worry um, for a period it was nicotine just caffeine I've used social isolation alcohol at times I wouldn't consider myself ever been an alcoholic but certainly used it as some way a way of escaping at periods of time in college experimented with that um, and I can still do a lot of these really dysfunctional things like the isolation part and the worry part as well and I could get caught up in extremes where if People that know me, they know, you know, Adam can get so passionate about things. And and it, whether it's a religion for a period of time, it was so very consumed by that. My fraternity in college, even sports, teams, I can get just consumed with. Uh, work at times, reading, I could just hide out in books. I think one year I read like 60 books. I'm like, what in the world? You know, I just get consumed by things. And these are all good good things in a lot of ways, but they're dysfunctional as well. And so why would I do that? Well, I would escape these uncomfortable emotions that I should have been facing by doing these things that I justified as being productive. That sounds crazy. Some of them I knew were not actually productive and they weren't healthy, but I would still pull away and engage in them. And I got to go back to some foundational stuff. Why do we have emotions? Well, emotions actually, they they help us to know what's going on. They give us insight into the situation we're facing. So if you're in a dangerous neighborhood and you hear gunshots and that, I don't know, maybe you're Maybe you're in a war zone and a maybe you're maybe you're in combat. I, but those that emotion that you feel is going to indicate to you that I got to do something about this. Or if you're in a situation like I was, I rented an RV with my daughter. Well, she didn't she didn't rent the RV. I did, and we went on a 12 day camping adventure in Utah and Colorado. And I rented it in Denver, and it was actually in, in rush hour when I pulled out of the RV rental place. And I remember thinking, I'm driving this massive vehicle, at least massive to me, in rush hour, trying to get somewhere when I don't know the actual roads in a city that has, what, two or three million people that has rush hour traffic, significant rush hour traffic, and I have no idea how I'm going to get to point B. And initially, I felt so just overwhelmed by that situation. I thought, well, I'm going to take this RV and I'm going to drive it straight to Wichita because I know I know how to get there. <laughs> I'm going to park it in front of my apartment complex and we're going to have this little <laughs> camping adventure there because because I'm safe there. <laughs> you know, that's that's the thing. And I, I felt that so strongly. I really did. It was just an overpowering feeling because I thought, that how am I going to get anywhere in this thing? And then we decided to go get a late lunch, which, you know, it was it was like 3.30. Yeah, that's 3.30, 4 o'clock on a Monday. 
And so I went and I got a sandwich at Subway and somebody in Subway was really kind to give me some some insight into how to drive during rush hour. And I was going to the Colorado Springs area, Manitou Springs to stay the night in the RV. And he said, yeah, take this bypass. You're gonna, you're gonna save, and to him it was like, you're gonna save two hours of time going down 25 versus, maybe he was exaggerating, but he gave me very specific directions. And then I started to feel some relief. So that emotion that I felt I needed to talk to somebody about, I got some insight and then he gave me some directions and I knew exactly where I was gonna go. And that didn't come up on my Google Maps or Siri, that actual path that he gave me. At least I didn't find it through anybody but him. And then I started to actually feel some hope. And so feeling that feeling and sticking with it gave me some hope. I got to see, and I would like to say that was a miraculous encounter that I ran into this guy at Subway because I would not have done I would not have had a clue where to go. And that started this process of over the next 12 days, thinking what good could come out of this thing? I'm gonna be spontaneous, I'm gonna meet people, I'm gonna find you know different activities, where to eat, where to stay. And it ended up being a really great trip. So much so that when we came back, my daughter was really emotional about missing that the missing our adventure, which I thought, you know, kind of, it was kind of successful because, because she was sad. And so that sadness that she felt wasn't a bad thing. It gave her some insight into missing some good things and maybe finding that in different ways in her own life once we actually return. And even in our relationship, it gave us some insight as well. So emotions, if we close off, you know, first of all, emotions can be triggered through trauma. Like, if, if we go through something traumatic and in our lives, like you know, a bad boss or a rejection or a failure or a health issue or whatever it might be, a car accident, then we try to, our psyche, our minds, our thinking tries to protect us from ever feeling that way again. But actually that's one of the worst things that can happen because being safe and not triggering our emotions keeps us from not working it through and working it out. We don't actually want that. The damage is stuffing our emotions. There's a whole bunch of things you can think about. And so one is that we don't experience a whole range of emotions, the good and the bad. I like a quote from Benet Brown, you don't get to enjoy, you know, we cannot selectively numb emotions. When we numb the painful emotions, we also numb the positive emotions. We don't feel all of them. Second thing is it leads to loneliness because nobody when we stuff our emotions really knows what we think or feel. They don't have any insight into who we are. Not good. Number three is it keeps us stuck in anxiety and depression. I like to think of anxiety and depression as states of being of stuffing emotion. I mean, there's a lot more detail besides that, but we get stuck in these negative states and we don't make any progress and get out. When depression is itself, it usually is not necessarily a primary emotion. There's a whole bunch of other emotions behind it that are primary, meaning that are driving that depression, like insecurity and fear. And anxiety is the same thing. I mean, anxiety is like a conglomerate of emotions all stuck together. And if we don't unpack them, we don't really know what they're trying to tell us. So there may be five different emotions driving that feeling of anxiety or fear right there. Number four is you won't know yourself. You don't get insight into your life when you stuff your emotions because they communicate a whole bunch of great positive things to us, insightful things. Number five, people will struggle to trust you when you don't learn how to share how you feel. They, they don't know and they'll make a lot of assumptions about you as a person because you're always guarded. 
Not good. Number six, your relationships will stay at a surface level because they don't trust you. So they won't actually go deeper with you and really get to know what's behind all those things. And number seven is you'll be uncomfortable with other people's emotions. You'll push other people away because you're not actually dealing with your stuff. And people won't like that. They got a, they're gonna have a problem with that. So let's just jump in. Here are some, some four things that were real game changers when I started to learn about this whole emotional health concept here for me. And that I go back to again and again. Few things. One, emotions are like a compass. They give you, they give you direction. A compass, if you are hiking, is gonna show you where is, where is true north. You know, it's gonna point north. And, and because of uh, magnetics, I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna show you north. I mean, the North Star is gonna point you north as well. It's a guide. And, and that's how we used to navigate, you know? I mean, people would navigate because of the North Star. And there's, that, that amazes me as well because, you know, the North Star is, a, is a, it just, I mean, astronomy amazes me, honestly. So, okay, I got a whole other, other thing there. But, but they tell you to go this way or go that way or to do this or to do that. They give you some insight and direction into yourself because you get to unpack them when you understand them. And, and that's powerful. I mean, if you look at a compass, north, south, east, and west, I like to think of my emotions as at times telling me, you know, if, for example, I'm not feeling like I can trust anybody, or if, for example, I'm feeling critical of people in general, and I'm pointing out their flaws, and I'm seeing how things can go wrong. Well, that emotion, that experience, I may think it's telling me to run away from people. I may think it's telling me to actually avoid and stay away and isolate and do all these things that I'm comfortable with, but that emotion actually is probably telling me, face it. You know, a lot of times our emotions are built on faulty thinking. We're gonna get into that more here, but it may say, instead of running, you need to face that situation because if I'm being honest with myself, it's not based on the truth. So that feeling of criticism is, it could tell me, you know, Adam, you need to deal with why you're so critical and face it and figure out what's really behind that and start encouraging people. I know that sounds strange, but it gives you insight into people. So right now, people have a lot of fear related to their jobs and the economy and what's next in their life. And people always have that, honestly. It just, at times, can be magnified. And some people are feeling very hopeful. But if they talk about, if they learn to say, well, here's, here's, here's this fearful emotion that I'm experiencing, and what is that telling me? Then they're going to really get at the thinking behind it. And they're going to be able to say, Here's what I should do based on that. Maybe it's talk to somebody, maybe it's journal, maybe it's reason it out, maybe it's face it. And that insight is gonna help them to see that they might be coping with that feeling of fear by running away as well. So that's crucial for them to do that. So emotions are a compass, think of that. I like compasses, emotions are a compass. The second concept that was really transformational for me to understand is that we have two choices when it comes to our feelings. We can act them out, you know, if we can act them out or we can address them. We can act them out or we can express them, address them, engage them, do something about them, do something. So if a person is grouchy, for example, they 
are usually generally stuffing their emotions. They're not telling anybody why they are grouchy. If they did, they would, instead of acting out that emotion, they would be expressing it. If they said, you know, I'm I'm struggling and I wanna just sit here and watch TV because my boss was told me today something that was very discouraging, that we're gonna lay off 20% of the workforce and I need to figure out which 20% I have to I have to eliminate. And instead, a lot of people will just stuff that, not talk about it. Maybe they've been told by their spouse, they've been invalidated at some point. Don't talk about work. Don't bring up stuff that's bothering you at work. You know, this is our time at night to just enjoy ourselves as a family. And they have this mis misunderstanding of emotions that's keeping them closed off and their spouse doesn't even realize that, hey, I need to figure out a way to get them to talk because that's gonna lead to better family time because they're working through their emotions. So, you know, it's this this thing, we can, we can just hide them or we can express them. Anger, for example, if people are angry and they learn to just live anger, so they're grouchy, they're uncomfortable, they're irritable, they are unapproachable, rather than actually express it and figure out what's driving it, which a lot of times emotions are driven by other things than that perceived primary emotion like anger, maybe hurt or fear or discouragement or or something like that that we can actually talk about and deal with, then they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make some progress. So we can act them out or we can actually address them. And when we realize that we're actually acting them out, then we can understand the avoidance tactics that we're applying. You know, like workaholism, like golfing five days a week, like running, just sitting and reading books like I have, like getting consumed by something that's not really productive. When we could be addressing that emotion and actually journaling about it and talking about it and dealing with it. So the third concept that's been transformational with emotions is finding hope, is finding hope. We can get in two different cycles here, and I talk about this quite a bit. If you want to go to my YouTube channel, you can see a video, it's hope versus fear there. And hope and cultivating hope, we can do intentionally. And it goes back to gratitude as well. We can cultivate it by focusing on things and being around people that are encouraging and and focusing on things that are helping me see my future in a positive light and seeing how in any situation there's good that can come out of it as dark as it might seem focusing on the potential and the opportunity in whatever situation it is we're facing rather than fear. And fear oftentimes is not even a primary emotion, but fear sees what could go wrong, how we could be hurt, how this could go and damage my potential and the opportunities in my life, and so I'm gonna stay protected and actually guarded. That hope thing is, yeah, if we do things consistently to be cultivate hope, I know I talk about the daily five and five, I do that in my mind a lot, so five things that happened recently that are positive and five things that I'm looking forward to later in the day today or in the week today, you do that and focus on that. But we can. the reason it's been transformational is because I can intentionally do things to actually cultivate it. And when I do that, I'm gonna crowd out a lot of the negative emotions. And that's not avoiding, 
That's just saying that I'm going to help myself intentionally focus on the right stuff. It's not avoiding. It sounds like it. Like somebody can just be in bliss and all they do is think about positive stuff. But no, a lot of the negative emotions you have to figure out and unpack. But a lot of the positive emotions you can cultivate. A lot of those negative emotions are being driven by a real negative state that you're in and negative people that you're around as well. So the fourth transformational concept is that that emotions are directly connected to my thinking. Emotions are directly, there's a direct link emotionally to what I've been focusing on. And when I think about that too, is I can focus on things that are not true. I can believe lies as easily as I can believe things that are true. One of the primary problems people have is they believe everything that they think. Just because they think it, they think it must be true. We, 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 and I can struggle with something called emotional reasoning, which means just because I feel it and I feel so passionately about it, whatever it is, the thing that could go wrong, that person that could hurt me, that failure, that challenge, whatever, I mean, that I assume that it must be based on fact. So for me, if I start to realize that this feeling here I have is so strong, but there's a very good chance it's not factual, then in, in fact, I can often tell myself, well, there's a very good chance that the opposite is actually true. So if I feel like someone's gonna hurt me, there's a very good chance that I have no evidence that they're gonna hurt me, but it's also more likely that that person is not gonna hurt me or that they are trustworthy, or that they're worthy of my trust, or they're worthy of some investment, or they're worthy of going to that next step with them instead of believing that they're untrustworthy. So that thinking, our emotions are connected to our thinking. We can do some things to change our thinking. And that sounds very similar to cultivating hope, but the reason it's actually different is because for so long, I didn't connect the fact that there was, that behind all of my emotions, was could be faulty thinking. And I just thought, because I feel this way, it must be true. So I didn't question my thinking. I didn't do anything to deal with my thinking. And I wanna just share with you some situations with clients recently that, that have happened that are emotional. So so one, one client in particular, she, she really struggled with feeling as if nobody in her family would would help her out in dealing with family difficult situations, so aging parent situations. So she wouldn't say anything to anybody, but she would cultivate this feeling of resentment. And, and sure, she probably does more, and she probably helps out her parents more than her siblings. Some of her siblings lived in different states, but they still could do different things. And so she came to me saying, man, I'm just so frustrated, my lazy siblings, they're not gonna help. There's no reason I should even say anything because it won't actually work. Nothing will come out of this that's good. It was all this stuff that she really truly believed. But as we talked about it, because I addressed that with her, I said, well, what do you think the biggest fear is here? And the fear is that, well, if I say something to my siblings, they'll reject me. They won't actually do anything. They won't listen to what I say. And in this situation, she's actually the oldest, but a lot of people will use the excuse, like I do sometimes, like I'm the middle child, you know, they're gonna ignore me, or I'm the youngest child, they're gonna ignore me. And then I started asking some questions of her based on that fear that nothing good will come out of this. You know, what evidence do you have? How does it benefit you to think this way? What is 
what is an opposite perspective? What's a hopeful perspective on this? And so as I asked these questions, she started thinking, well, you know, they could reject me, but a month from now, maybe they'll remember what I said and they'll actually start to help more. Or maybe the next time they'll think have an opportunity to go and take dad grocery shopping, they will, or take mom grocery shopping, they will. So she started to think about it differently. And I could just tell from her demeanor that things were changing and she started to see, yeah, I probably should say something. She came to that conclusion. I didn't tell her she should actually do that. She came to that conclusion on her own. So that happens all the time. Another situation is I had a, a client that was super excited about a job prospect. And that excitement, as we unpacked it, really showed him that his job and these new opportunities were gonna be using his strengths better. So it was a compass. It was a compass and those strengths were gonna be getting him in a position potentially to do something which was actually teaching oriented rather than leading in a sense of, um, well, I mean, it was still in a leadership position, but it was, it was in a teaching type position. And so that gave him some insight into this good stuff that could actually happen. And as we talked about it, it, showed him really that this is probably an opportunity I should take advantage of. It's probably a direction I should head in. So there's the good and the bad emotions. A lot of times people are good at expressing the negative emotions, but not nearly as good at expressing or unpacking the positive ones because they give you a tremendous amount of insight as well. So what are we gonna do with this information now that you have some things? So I'm gonna give you some tools that are gonna help you as you think about emotions. Because some of you, as you listen, you're probably thinking, I need to do some work here. I need to do some work. I've been running, I've been hiding, I've been stuck in my head, I've been grouchy. My poor kids, how could I have put them through this stuff? And it may lead you actually to needing to apologize to people and saying, man, I've, I've, I've been negative. I've been critical. I've been isolated. You know, I haven't been coping well. I've neglected you guys. I haven't done what I should be doing as a friend. And that's a great thing because that, that call it whatever, repentance or turning from or ownership or whatever, that leads to freedom as well because you're saying that this is the truth, this is a fact, this is what's going on. And, and that's emotional honesty, which is a concept I'd like for you to think about, that when we get to share with people how we feel, how we think, we're being honest. And emotional honesty is the hardest kind of honesty. People can be honest about all kinds of factual things in their lives, like where they were, what they did, but they can be very dishonest about their emotions because it deals with hurting. It could potentially cause rejection. It could make someone feel bad. And not that you're intentionally making them feel bad, but because of your feelings, it could put them in a situation where they have to deal with their feelings. But that's the only way to actually build relationships is that emotional honesty. So what can you do application-wise here with these transformational truths? And let me go over those transformational truths. Again, emotions are a compass. Emotions are a compass, they give you insight. You can act out your emotions or you can work through your emotions. I'm suggesting you work through your emotions. If you face them and feel them and realize that when you do feel them and things hit your emotions and hit your stuff like it did with me running that RV or it did with my client thinking about addressing 
elder care issues with her siblings or did with my other client thinking about taking on a new job, that's a good thing because we're actually starting to face them. We can cultivate hope intentionally. We can do the work to be positive, which makes a huge difference on our emotional health. And emotions are connected directly to our thinking. So our thinking is where we have power. We can impact our thinking and we can impact our emotions by addressing them directly. So application, things, four activities that you can engage in that can increase your emotional health. One, identify every day, you can do this once a week, or I would suggest every day, a positive emotion and a negative emotion you have experienced a positive emotion and a negative emotion you have experienced. And then learn how to answer a few questions on those emotions that give you some insight. Here's the questions that I'd suggest that you answer. One is what am I feeling? Write down that specific emotion. What am I feeling? Number two is why am I feeling this way? What am I feeling and then why am I feeling this way? What's behind it? What's the thinking? What's going on? Number three is what am I learning about myself because of this specific emotion? I did this yesterday, got to practice what I preach. An emotion that I I felt really positive because I've sold a ton of legacy jars recently. And I had just sold one yesterday. And it's cool because people buy them from all over the country and everything. It's just a little emotional communication activity and emotional health thing activity. And I thought, well, this is encouraging. That's something that I came up with, you know, six, seven years ago, eight years ago, even, I guess, is still helping people. And what is that? What insight does that give me? It gives me the insight that this, this is a good thing. Keep creating things. And then I felt a negative emotion because I felt, and that was, was um, critical. I felt critical yesterday. And why? Because, well, people don't always do things my way. <laughs> and I want them to do things my way. And what insight does that give me? Well, it gives me the insight that I use criticism to protect myself from triggering my emotions and from getting hurt. And I use criticism to keep people at a distance and to control, and it's a bad thing. It's something I need to actually address through gratitude and through talking to people. And it actually led me to saying something encouraging to a few people yesterday, rather than being critical as well. So that's one thing you can do, just identify one positive and one negative. A second thing you can do is learn how to communicate your feelings with somebody else. And in the show notes, I'm gonna give you a link to a list of 40 common emotions and their definitions. So you can learn to identify emotions in yourself. 20 are positive and 20 are negative. In the show notes as well, I'm gonna give you a link to a, to a bookmark that I give to clients on emotions. And it has positive emotions on the front and negative emotions on the back. And on this bookmark as well, it has two emotional health building activities listed. So as a reminder on there as well. But the second thing you can do, just learn to communicate these feelings with somebody. And you don't have to do it in an awkward way. You just do it in a way where you're talking naturally. It just comes up. Hey, how, how was your day today? And you can share, well, I feel excited. My, my day was good. I feel excited because I got some insight into a new job opportunity that I probably should take. Or I felt discouraged because of all the stuff going on economically. And I really feel like I need to... Um, look at different career options and get my resume refined. And that's emotional honesty, it's emotional health. You learn to talk about it. And what I find when I learn to talk about my emotions, if I'm learning to be positive and negative, to be balanced, 
it's not all negative with people. In fact, if you are communicating all the negative stuff with people consistently, then it might be something that you need to actually learn to share some of the positive stuff going on in your life as well. I know there's been times when my parents have said to me, Adam, you're very negative about things. And I've had some negative things happen, but I also have to share the exciting things with them as well and take a risk to say, yeah, I was excited yesterday and here's why. And, 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 or I was, I was happy yesterday and here's why. But you learn to share those with people. That's the second thing. Number three is to learn to increase your emotional vocabulary. And there's a term called alexithymia which means that we have a very limited emotional vocabulary. We may only have a few words to describe the positive emotions and a few words to describe the negative emotions that we feel. So as we learn and look at some tools, one is a lot, is an emotions wheel, and I'm gonna link to that in the show notes. It's actually linked to an article that I wrote on emotional health building that's gonna have that emotions wheel connected to it and in that article. And it's gonna have in that article these four emotional health building activities that I'm listing here today too, as well. So, but you think about how to sh- you increase your vocabulary by identifying a word and saying, yeah, that, that does resonate with me. I do feel that a lot, whatever it is. And then you get to the, se- you get to the primary emotion, not the secondary emotion. For example, people feel anger, but a lot of times people feel anger because they're hurt. And that may be an emotion that you feel a lot. So you learn to express that you're hurt more, that kind of thing. And then the fourth emotional health building activity is a worksheet that I'm gonna link to as well. I call it the Emotions Felt Shared Worksheet. So it has those 40 um, common emotions and their definitions, but you learn to go through this worksheet and say, how often on a scale one to seven have I felt that emotion? And then on a scale of one to seven with one being a nev- never and seven being almost constant. And then how, how frequently have I expressed that emotion? So for example, somebody may feel consistently excited. So they give that like a six, but they very rarely share it with anybody. And so it's like a two, almost never do they share that. So if you learn to see the incongruency that I feel this emotion, but I rarely share it, it's gonna help you and challenge you to express these things more. So again, this worksheet's gonna be very helpful because you can reference it. It's gonna show you the gaps in your expression of your emotions as well. And it can be very helpful. Another example would be like, you feel jealousy a lot, or you and you feel it strongly, yet you very rarely express it, and and you may not want to express it, which I wouldn't to the person that you feel the jealousy towards, but you may want to express it with a safe friend. Like I feel this all the time. I don't know what's going on, and I'm trying to figure out a way to get out of this. And and so it creates this emotional honesty dynamic in that relationship. And that happens with me quite a bit. Like I feel rejected a lot, yet I very rarely express that I feel rejected. And I know yesterday I talked to an old college buddy and I was I was telling him that man, I feel I feel like um man, I feel stuck, you know, I feel, and I was just, it was just going, it doesn't mean these are facts. It was just where the state that I was in at the moment was that I was feeling some negative emotions. You know, I feel like there's some negativity in my life and his, his name's Jeremy. And, 
and I feel discouraged and that kind of thing. And last time I talked to him, I was feeling kind of the same way, but I've learned that he's a safe person to talk to. And he lives in San Francisco. And so I was feeling discouraged and stuck and just in a way kind of hopeless about some things in my life. And then he was, he lives in downtown. He went on this like half hour walk with me, showing me everywhere he was walking in San Francisco. And I think this was two or three weeks ago. And out of that, he shared some encouraging things with me. And I started to feel more hopeful about things. I started to feel more hopeful because he was being active. And I started to think, man, I need to go on walks more as I talk to people and be more active because sometimes I don't go to parks as much as I should. And so talking to him gave me this insight that because I really enjoy that, just going on walks downtown with my dog and talking to people and just enjoying the getting outside. And even in the cold, I do well with that. So it gave me some insight into some things I should be engaging in my own life. But it took me sharing with him emotions that I don't share with people very often for me to get that insight. And just yesterday, Sunday, he told me that he felt like I was good person like he was just encouraging me like you know he even said like he thought i was uh one of the best people he knows i don't know if that's true but um but man i mean and i thought about that and thought you know gosh i have a lot of qualities that i need to appreciate in myself because i shared with him this emotion i took a risk he gave me some insight through that communication so that's that felt shared activity. And I think for a lot of you, you'll find that there's a lot of incongruency. You do not express a lot of the positive emotions. You don't express a lot of the negative emotions to save people in your life. And you don't take risks to actually do that. And it may even be that you do that with your kids. You know, you you feel a lot of love or you feel you feel even in your own life, it's not bad to share even with your young teenage kids that you struggle. You know, you have uncertainty in an area of your life financially or with your career or whatever, because then they realize you're human and they realize that dad struggles just like me and I can talk to dad more and he's safer and he's not perfect. And I know that a lot of times kids will feel like their parents are perfect or have it all together when they're struggling and they don't feel safe to actually talk to you about it. So those four things. So in closing here, thank you for tuning in. I just got to tell you, this has been uh, uh, a great reminder to me of some things that I need to do to work on my own emotions here. And I'm inspired talking to all of you, and I'm excited to hear how this has been impactful to you to listen to this podcast. So please share with me some questions that you might have. Um, love to hear those questions. I'm trying to figure out formats to have group discussions on these topics. So either Facebook Live or YouTube, if that'd be helpful for you, please send me an email at adam at decideyourlegacy.com to tell me if that would be helpful to you and I can do some more, have some different formats here. Group discussion, I love this group insight, small group kind of stuff, 10, 12, 15 people where we can discuss these kind of topics as well. But subscribe to this podcast, love to increase the subscribership, so encouraged by the downloads and the feedback and the reviews. Keep telling your friends and family. I know they could benefit, at least I believe they could benefit as well um, from all this content. Please tell people, I love to increase listenership. It's been increasing every podcast, which is super cool to me. Um, a couple giveaways, things I want to think about. Well, one is I have a brand new ebook. Um, it's actually an email series. It's five days to overpowering anxiety. It's a lot of helpful information, emotional health that can help you as well in, that's complementary to what we discussed here in this podcast. I want you to think about 
also uh, purchasing something from me. And it's called the Legacy Jar. And I've been selling these for a long time. I have uh, created these uh, years ago, but refined them over time. It's got 10 different ways to use it. And a couple of the ways to use it are to build emotional health. You, It has 109 questions, I think. They're great light team building type questions, things you can discuss with your family and friends and your team and then journal on yourself. It gives you insight into yourself. A lot of it hits on emotions. So consider purchasing that. I sell that. Um, through my website. The link will be in the show notes as well for that. Um, Keep submitting your questions as we go. I am at the beginning of future podcasts going to start addressing those questions directly, even if they're unrelated to the topic at hand. I haven't started doing that yet. This is podcast number nine. I will get to that soon. Tune in next time I release podcast. Hope to see you there again. My purpose is helping people find transformational clarity, the kind of clarity that leads to action, the kind of action that changes lives. My purpose is to help you overcome your biggest fears in pursuit of that action. Take something you learned today and apply it. It only has to be one thing. Take something and apply it. You decide your legacy, nobody else. You decide your future, nobody else. Decide your legacy, you do that today. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. 